Uh, hello, y'all. So, um, this is my podcast, um, and I just wanted to introduce this. So, this is Nick. This is my podcast, and um, so this is my great uncle talking about his life in general and all that good stuff. So, uh, yeah. With that, on with the show. So, what was your childhood home like? Uh, a bit depressing. <laughs> uh, uh, there weren't very many children to play with because at that time the exodus to California had taken place to a large degree uh, until about 1946, 47, 40, yeah, until about that time there were a lot of people in the area but then most, a lot of them uh, migrated to uh, California. And therefore, uh, there there weren't very many people, children to play with. Above and beyond that, there weren't very many uh, possibilities to do things which make life interesting, such as libraries, learning a foreign language. I played with my dog and with my horse and rode around the countryside. And that was about it. Hmm. It sounds very interesting. So... It wasn't very interesting at the time. (laughs) Probably not. But it was uh, probably a very healthy environment uh, years later, I'll, I'll tell you an anecdote. Years later, in Nordenham, uh, <clears throat> a doctor discovered that I had tuberculosis as a child. I know uh, where I got it from the Streeter children, a large family with 17 children. But I recovered obviously completely there was a sanitarium sanitarium is that right sanitarium in the area at that time uh, one couldn't do much with um, medication against uh, tuberculosis and it was a very dry um, climate and I recovered wow yeah Wow. Okay, let's go on. Okay. Okay, so next question. What are some childhood memories that stick out for you? My childhood had uh, a lot of positive aspects. One of them was the fact that I had to work. It sounds, at, at the first glance, like a contradiction, a contradiction, uh, but it isn't. I the farm was where I grew up was actually too large at that time to be run by one farmer. Therefore, my father um, uh, was dependent on my help uh, when I already when I was eleven or twelve years old. Uh, I worked actually like uh, 
a farm laborer, uh, but that had positive aspects. Uh, I learned that people took me seriously and I developed at that time uh, a kind of self-confidence. Uh, and that was a positive aspect of, of uh, growing up on the farm and uh, mm, yeah, that, that would, uh, I would consider that to be a positive aspect of my childhood and youth. Although I think that I worked too much many times. <laughs> I was completely exhausted many times. But all in all, I would say that was uh, positive. Okay. And then another question, if you're okay with that. Uh, did you move around a lot as a kid, or did you stay in the same place relatively? <clears throat> I stayed in the Elm Creek Valley. Until I was, uh, let me see, 18 or 19, then I went to college. Okay. Ask him where he went. Oh, where did you go to college, by any chance? Well, first of all, I should tell you where I went to school. I went to school at District 40, and my uh, children and grandchildren can tell you a lot about District 40. <laughs> District 40, when I started there, I think had 12 pupils all in one room. And uh, <clears throat> the year before I started at District 40, my mother took me once to show me the school, and the school was full. There must have been 30, at least 30 <clears throat> pupils in the, in the classroom. It was a, a, only had one classroom. But by the next year when I started, there were only 12 because of the exodus of many farmers to California. And uh, the teachers were completely incompetent. <laughs> well, it's, it's the case. My wife once found a report card of mine in our house when she visited us. I think we were already married, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> and on the report card, the teacher had written, well, Gary don't smell so good. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I think that is enough. That, yep. uh, that uh, indicates quite uh, pointed, quite uh, clearly uh, <clears throat> uh, how uh, competent the, the teachers were. And uh, in the classroom, stones were thrown, balls were thrown. And one time, the teacher, one of the teacher, I don't remember which one, was standing at the blackboard and writing something 
I can still see it in my mind, writing something on the blackboard, probably with a lot of grammatical errors and spelling errors. And suddenly, right next to her very large belly, a screwdriver which had been prepared flew into the small wooden panel between the blackboard uh, and the and the wall, and uh, <clears throat> I think she ran out the door. I don't know whether she ran out the door to go to the bathroom or to vomit or whatever, <laughs> but I suppose she was quite scared. Just one other anecdote. Uh, uh, your great-grandfather, Bill, my brother, and his two uh, siblings attended a similar school, District 96. And the teacher there came to school every day armed with a shotgun. And I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> in order to protect himself. I could go on and go on for hours, but uh, I think that's probably enough. That was my school. High school was uh, something different. Unfortunately, I was a flu. I was an egoistical, uh, egocentric, egocentric uh, young boy, very simple-minded, who had no academic interests. I was only interested in football, basketball, track, girls, <laughs> girls, <laughs> uh, and my uh, and the drama club. Hmm. One of the things that happened, I was awarded very many, very many uh, awards. That's bad English. Uh, for my uh, act, acting abilities. Other uh, awards, well, I did receive one. I won the Central State uh, Award for Physics. Hmm. But I was a very, very average, low average, I think, student. That was high school. And then I went to college at the uh, we called it uh, the Pearl of the Prairie. <laughs> <laughs> that was Kearney State College. Now it's the University of Nebraska at Kearney. No, it's the University of Nebraska at, at Kearney. It Kearney. is. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that was for me a revelation. All of a sudden I realized that's all interesting. And from that time on, I, I became a straight-day student. And nobody in, in Overton could understand that. <laughs> I understand uh, that. <laughs> I still don't. <laughs> so, where are we now? Okay, so... Um, so already, okay, so we are currently at, um, what are some of your most memorable friendships growing up? 
had some friendships at the at district <coughs> at district forty, <coughs> but they weren't very important. So, uh, my most memorable friendship was with uh, Bruce Ellingson. Uh, we later went to Germany together. Uh, we both started the same time at the uh, at Cart at the at Carnegie College, and later we went to uh, Germany together with no scholarship. Uh, I simply worked all summer and then went to Germany. And uh, I've lost contact with him. I hope he's still alive, but I can't find him. No, let's go on to the next point. Okay. So were there any historical events in your time? Yeah, the Cold War, the war in Korea, Cuba, the revolution in Cuba, and then later the Cuba crisis. Perhaps just one thing about the Cold War that influenced my mental development in a bad way. Uh, I firmly believed in rough manlyhood, patriotism, nationalism, and actually knew nothing. Had I realized what was going on with the McCarthy hearings, I probably would have been a very, uh, uh, an adherent, uh, a, a big fan of uh, McCarthy. The ideology of <clears throat> patriotism, your country, right or wrong, was not a very good influence on my development. My brother uh, fought in Korea, uh, and that was rather uh, yeah, dramatic. Because a lot, he was behind the lines, <clears throat> and we didn't know for some time what had happened to him. But he came home. He came home safe and sound. Yeah, that's good. I've already answered the next question: How did these uh, events affect your life? and the life of your family. Yeah, we were all really very patriotic, believed in that, that United States was really God's promised country. Okay, so next question. Tell me about your first job. This is the one I was actually really interested in. I worked for the uh, father of a friend I talked about, and uh, and I uh, we piled bale hay bales. Is that yep. right? Yep. Mm -hmm. Do you know hay bales? Yes. Yep. yep. Bales of hay. Yeah. Okay. I worked like that uh, in order to uh, finance my first year at college. Hmm. Very hard work. Yeah, I bet. We I earned fifty cents a ton. <laughs> oh no! Yeah, 
ton, I got 50 cents. Oh, wow. I mean, that's, that's yeah, a lot of hay bales. That's a lot of hay bales. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it was enough to go to school, to go to college. <clears throat> that's what Are we ready for the next point? Yeah, what um, Yeah, what did you study in college? Yeah, that is rather interesting. I got, uh, I had three majors. Uh, uh, which was rather unusual at the time. Uh, uh, German, mathematics, uh, and a combination, it doesn't exist anymore, it was a combination of physics and chemistry. Hmm. And uh, I got some uh, credits from the University of Munich, and therefore, uh, I was able to have uh, three majors. Uh, I started my college career wanting only to deal with mathematics, chemistry, and physics. And I was very disappointed when I learned that I had to uh, learn in quotation marks a foreign language and after three weeks i realized my god that is that is a revelation and decided to spend the next year in germany <laughs> and therefore i worked the next year at the hay mill and earned enough money to uh, finance uh, <clears throat> my year in uh, Munich. In Munich, I worked nights at the airport doing very primitive manual labor, and I went to the university in the daytime. I didn't have to sleep much, but I was able to sleep while working at night at the airport from about uh, half past midnight until six in the morning. Yeah. And then I came back and uh, continued to get uh, A's. And then I got an N. Well, uh, it's a rather tragic story for my father. I received an offer from Harvard in mathematics for $4,000 a year. At that time, it was a lot of money. And a number of NDEAs, one from Kansas in mathematics, and something from a university in New York, I've forgotten. And then from the University of Colorado, an NDEA in German. And I'm very happy that I took uh, the NDEA in German, otherwise I would have never met my wife. Awesome. So that is a very brief story. <laughs> okay, so I think we already answered the when did you move out of home question. Um, what? 
Um, so my when... grandparents. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Did you want to know about them? Uh, yeah. Yeah, I only know. I only uh, knew one uh, grandparent. My grandfather on the mother's side. Uh, he lived to be ninety-five. Wow. I remember my great grandmother on the mother's side. She lived to be one hundred and one. Wow. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah, and uh, my grandfather on my father's side. Uh, committed suicide in 1921. He was not the. Uh, he had. He, he was quite young, uh, in his late fifties. Sometime I can tell you the reason why it has something to do with my heritage. Uh, should I? Should I tell you now, very briefly? Yes, please. Okay. Uh, my. <clears throat> Four uh, fathers and mothers on my father's side came originally from Schleswig-Holstein, and I have seen the records. And the Maasens married the Maasens. There was inbreeding, inzucht, is that yeah, right? Yeah, uh, inbreeding. Inbreeding, inbreeding. And uh, I talked to a psychiatrist about uh, 30 years ago in northern Germany, and he said that was a big, big problem because the inbreeding didn't stop until after the Second World War when people came from the East who had been vetrieben. Had to leave their homes from eastern, from the eastern provinces, and the suicide rate was very high among them. Depression was common. Depression, terrible depression, and suicide was a problem. And I know that in the Elm Creek Valley. <clears throat> That was a problem, not only with my grandfather, but also with another uh, with another family there. Uh, in a, in a, uh, we said Enix, the, the Enoch, Enoch. Uh, yeah, that is the, the the story. He probably had severe depressions. <clears throat> he might have had something to do with uh, the inbreeding taken, having taken place in the past. Uh, I could go on and go on for hours and hours about my heritage, but I, I think you have to, uh, well, the, the next thing, how did your family get to the USA? Yes. Yeah. Should I tell you that? Uh, yes, no, please. Uh, my great-grandfather, moved from Schleswig-Holstein to Oldenburg. And there, I think, he married a widow. And the forefathers before him were common laborers. He became what is called, in German, 
ein Neubauer, a new farmer. The first one to rise up above the bottom level of society. And he sent all of his children, all of his sons to the United States. It's called in German chain migration. He financed the first, the oldest one. The oldest one had the obligation of financing the second one and the second one, the third one, the third one, the fourth one. And my grandfather was the second youngest. <clears throat> the youngest man, and that is a, uh, a strange thing in northern, in Oldenburg, that was a province. The youngest son took over the farm, inherited the farm. Unfortunately, the youngest son died in the First World War, and all of the other ones were in the United States. And uh, my grandfather had with Emma Strunk, a, a woman also from Germany. I don't know how he did it. If he ordered by catalog, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he had, oh, I'd have to, I can see the picture of about eight or nine children. And then he divorced her and married a woman I know under the name of Maud Wilson and had another family, not quite as large. Yeah. That is the story of the chain migration. Can you answer a question for me? There was a rumor in our childhood that Grandma Marguerite had some kind of Native American ancestry. Is that no, just a story I, that I was made up? I don't know about up? that. I don't know about that. I know what I was told. Uh, Montgomery, English. Lewis. Irish, and she had also some German uh, blood, so to say, also English, German, and Irish. I cannot imagine, that would be a very surprising. I me. think it is a story that Aunt Stevie made up and told my mother, but everybody believed. Who made that up? I think Aunt Stephanie made it up and told my mother, and my mother believed it, and so passed it on. Where, I don't know where she would have... Uh, I, I think it might have been a sibling teasing, but <laughs> I grew up believing that Grandma Marguerite was part Cherokee, which is a very American ideology of believing, oh, we have Native American ancestry. I would be very surprised... Uh, if she were had been part Cherokee. Thank you. That's what I've thought as an adult, but as a child, I believed it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. She didn't live in a sod house. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't live in a tent, in a teepee. <laughs> Thank you. My, uh, let me see. No. 
Montgomery is really English. I don't know when they came to the United States. Uh, According to what I was told, she was English, Irish, and German. Perfect. Thank you very much for that. Helped me because I was when I am asked. I think I used to think Native American, and I used to say that. And since I've grown up, I'm like English, Irish, German. Mm-hmm. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I think we have one last question. Yeah, we have like. Yeah, yeah, we have. Okay, so what are some of your family, or what are some family traditions you had? Well, that is a rather sad story because my family, yeah, you must uh, realize that in the Elm Creek Valley there was a low German settlement. The people are called Maas, Schwerda, Blunk, Strunk, Streit, Enox, Eilas, and they spoke no German. I, after I had learned a bit of German, I talked to one of my aunts, and she spoke low German <laughs> and normal German completely correctly. I don't know how they how they uh, uh, managed to do that. But after 1917, after the, after the United States entered the First World War, it was forbidden to speak uh, German in public. And that must have been tra- traumatic for them. My father spoke German as his mother tongue but as an adult he could speak no German only when he was very very angry sometimes out <laughs> in the field he would get very angry and he would say God for God, shit, what? <laughs> I thought, what what's wrong with him is he talking in tongues <laughs> but that's all he ever said in in, in German and uh, they also lost their traditions. They had no traditions. Uh, it was something like a vacuum. Uh, we didn't really, my, my wife is always appalled at the fact that I don't uh, celebrate my birthday. We didn't celebrate birthdays. We didn't celebrate Christmas, hardly. Thanksgiving, well, in addition to the normal meal, we had a bit of dressing and homemade ice cream. And that was all there was. All the special, that's was. That's was, that was it. And now she makes me celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. 
That is a very sad story about the loss of their traditions because they had their own church. And my grandfather was a in the in the in the uh, neighborhood. He was a famous singer. He had the only piano in the whole countryside, and uh, he even they someone in the family had a a record a record of his voice. I never heard it. But uh, he, oh, <clears throat> I think I'll send you a picture of him. If you could send when us, when he was, uh, that would be lovely. About, I would love to about, have some pictures. He was about when he was twenty years old. He looked just like I did when I was twenty years old. And if you see him at about. Uh, 45, uh, he looks like me at about mm -hmm. 45. No hair, has a mustache. Mm -hmm. That's the only difference. We, we could simply change. Mm -hmm. He could get up and I could sit down. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they could take the picture again. <clears throat> well, have we, did, have we done everything? Mm -hmm. I... Yeah, I think that covers, yeah, I think that covers everything.